I wanted to play that this morning. Am I, did I turn it on this time? Okay, great. Uh, I wanted to play that this morning because it's the stupidest song ever written. Anybody that's ever had to get kids ready for church cannot sing that song. Easy like a Sunday morning. Are you kidding me? I mean, now this is the ideal, and this is what happens at the pastor's house. This is how Sunday morning looks at our house. Look how happy we are at our house. This is what Sunday morning looks at your house. I, I, I know. I know how it works. And so today we're talking about how to live a little more stress-free. Because worry, can it's really not good for your system. It's not good for your men mental state. It's certainly not good for you spiritually. Now, Duke University, I hardly ever quote Duke about anything. And this has nothing to do with basketball because they wouldn't know uh, in, anyway. But... They did some research on what it takes to have a, these are factors that contribute to great emotional well-being. And so I'm going to just share them with you. Uh, kind of peace of mind factors, they called it. Number one, one thing that helps you with peace of mind is the absence of suspicion and resentment. Like if you hold a grudge, this is really not good for your spiritual and mental health. Not living in the past. You can't really do a lot about what you did in the past anyway. And though we might have regrets about the past and we might not want to repeat the past, living in the past is just a waste of time. Not wasting time and energy fighting conditions you cannot change. Some stuff you just can't do anything about. And you can complain about it and you can gripe about it, but it is what it is and you have to learn to live with it. Uh, resisting the temptation to withdraw and become reclusive. Sometimes when we have difficulty... Instead of reaching out to people for help, instead of becoming part of community, we have a tendency to re resign into ourselves. So that's what they're talking about there. Refusing to indulge in self-pity when life hands you a raw deal. You've probably been around people in your life who have this, you know, um, poor pitiful me kind of thing going on. And, and not only <laughs> is it not good for them, uh, it has a tendency to drive people away if you're like that. Um, cultivating old-fashioned virtues like love and humor, finding the humor in things. Even when stuff doesn't go the way that you think it ought to, finding the humor in it is really, really good for you. Not expecting too much of yourself. You can only do so much, so you can only do so much. And then finding something, this is kind of where we're going to jump off today, finding something bigger than yourself to believe in. Now, the last uh, several months, we've been looking at this book in the New Testament called Philippians. We're going to be there today, chapter 4. We're kind of working through it slowly. We're at the last chapter of the book. And, and the guy that wrote the book is an, a guy named Paul. And Paul, when he wrote this letter, he wrote it to a church that had given him a gift. And he wrote back to them. And he was in prison, chained to a guard 24 hours a day when he wrote this letter. The context of that is kind of amazing because he, he writes this letter about being joyful. And I can't imagine being chained to someone 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, having any joy at all. And yet, this whole letter is about being a person of joy. And so it's not like this guy was, you know, um, remember, was it Robin Leach who had lifestyles of the rich and famous? And, you know, these people kind of had, had it all going on and they look like they're happy and all that. This is a guy who's writing from a prison cell, chained to a guard, who says, this is how you have joy. Now, let's just be honest. We're probably not going to go 
uh, in a prison cell and chained to a guard 24 hours a day. So if it works for him, it's likely that it's going to work for us. And so let's just look at one verse. And we're going we're gonna to look at four or five, but let's just jump off here. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. Hey, I, I am practicing what I preach, is what he's saying. And the God of peace, I think it's one of the greatest titles of God that there is. Because we live in a world with so little peace, it's nice that we have a God of peace. And he, he says, will be with you. So, we're going to look at some kind of these, these really simple and profound things that he talks about. It's not like this is hard to do, particularly. Uh, it's kind of almost intuitive. But he sort of explains it and he breaks it down in this one great verse. And so, these are simple statements on how to manage stress. And one is you lay aside worry. You worry about nothing. It's kind of what you do. Do not be anxious about anything. Now, that's easier said than done. Uh, we live in a world, the Smithsonian Magazine calls this the age of anxiety. Now, in your life, you've got macro worries and you've got micro worries. Macro worries are the things you see on the news. So, if you turn on the news today, they're going to tell you that uh, you should be fearful that we're going to... Um, the planet is going to burn up because of global warning. Or they're going to tell you that we're about to be attacked uh, by the Iranians or the North Koreans, and if they got together, they're just going to kill us all. Uh, you can uh, be fearful of, um, was it last summer we had West Nile, or was it two summers ago? I can't remember. And then there was Ebola, and there's, there's something to be afraid of. And if you want to be fearful, I can take you to uh, the news sources, and we can be fearful every day, all day, because there's a whole lot of stuff going on in the world to be afraid of. Okay, those are macro worries. Micro worries are things like that are just part of your life. My, my tire went flat, or I don't have enough money to buy gas, or um, I forgot my wife's birthday. Micro worries. Well, that should be my, macro. Uh, some things you should shift, okay, but things that aren't like for everybody. And, and we live in this world where we worry. Now, there's a guy named Dr. Walter Calvert. He did some research on our worries. Really interesting here. He found that 40% of our worries never happen. 30% of our worries concern the past. So you can't really do anything about that. 12% are needless worries about your health. Like you have a little headache and all of a sudden you might go to, I've got a tumor, you know, that kind of thing. 10% um, are insignificant or petty concerns. Now look at this, look at this. 8% of our worries are really legitimate concerns. Of the 100% of the stuff we worry about, only 8% is really worth worrying about. Worrying is stewing without doing. Uh, it, it is, worry is this. Worry is taking the place of God that we never were intended to have. Look, the Bible often says to us, cast your cares on the Lord for he cares about you. God, God cares about you. He knows what's going on. He is, he's concerned. That's why the Bible says, don't be anxious about anything. E even the stuff that maybe is legitimately worthy of our concern. Do you think God knows that the Iranians have nuclear weapons? I'm fairly certain he looks at Iran. Does he know the guy in North Korea is whack? You just look at his haircut. I mean, it doesn't take much. God knows that. 
He, he knows what's going on. He knows about the planet. He, he's the one who created all things. He, he knows all things. Don't be anxious about anything. We, we, have, we control our attitude about stuff. Now, I found this article about a, a man named Jerry Johnson. I'm going to read it to you. It's a little bit long, so I apologize in advance. But I think it's going to make a point, and hopefully it's worth our time. Um, Jerry Johnson was a, a restaurateur, and um, he was a guy that managed restaurants. And, and he was unique in the fact that the waiters and waitresses that worked for him, whenever he would change restaurants, would come work with him because they just liked him. And the reason they liked him was he had this ability to find the positive in every part of life. So let, let me read this to you. Uh, Jerry was the kind of guy you love to hate. He was always in a good mood and always had something positive to say. When someone would ask him how he was doing, he would always reply, if I were any better, I'd be twins. He's that guy. He was a unique manager because he had several waiters who followed him around everywhere he went. Um, the reason the waiters followed Jerry was because of his attitude. He was a natural motivator. If an employee was having a bad day, Jerry was there helping the employee find the positive side of the situation. Seeing this style really made me curious, this author says. So one day I asked him, I, I don't get it. You can't be positive all the time. How do you do this? And Jerry replied, each morning I wake up and listen to this and say to myself, Jerry, you have two choices today. You can choose to be in a good mood or you can choose to be in a bad mood. And I choose to be in a good mood. Each time something bad happens, I can choose to be a victim or I can choose to learn from it. And I choose to learn from it. And every time somebody comes to me complaining, I can choose to accept their complaining or I can point out the positive side of life. I choose the positive side of life. Yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> that, it just can't be that easy, this person writes. Yes, it is, Jerry said. Let's think about it. Everything is a choice. When you cut away all the junk, every situation is a choice. You choose how to react to the situation. It's your choice. You choose how people will affect your mood. You choose to be in a good mood or a bad mood. The bottom line is, it's your choice how you live. So I reflected on what Jerry said, and soon after I left the restaurant industry, started my own business, we lost touch. I heard that Jerry did something you're really never supposed to do in the restaurant business. He left the back door open one morning and was held up at gunpoint by three armed robbers. While trying to open the safe, his hands were shaking from nervousness, and he slipped off the combination. The robbers panicked and shot him. Luckily, Jerry, and then they fled. Luckily, Jerry was found relatively quickly and rushed to a local trauma center. After 18 hours of surgery and weeks of intensive care, Jerry was released from the hospital with fragments of the bullet still in his body. I saw Jerry about six months after the incident, and I asked him how he was, and he, he said, if I was any better, I'd be twins. You want to see my scars? That, that was his comment. I, just, I declined to see his wounds, but I did ask him, uh, what had gone through his mind when the robbers, uh, robbery took place. The first thing that went through my mind was, I should have locked the back door, he said. Then as I lay on the floor, I remembered that I have two choices. I could choose to live, or I could choose to die. And I chose to live. Weren't you scared? Did you lose consciousness? I asked Jerry. And he said, the paramedics were great. They kept telling me I was going to be fine. But when they wheeled me into the emergency room and I saw the expressions on the faces of the doctors and nurses, I got really scared. In their eyes, I read, he's a dead man. And I knew I needed to take action. So he said, 
there was this big burly nurse shouting questions to me. She asked me if I was allergic to anything. Yes, I replied. The doctors and nurses stopped working and waited for my reply. And I took a deep breath and I yelled, I'm allergic to bullets! <laughs> Over the laughter, I told them, I am choosing to live. Operate on me as if I'm choosing to live. And Jerry lived thanks to the, thankful, uh, to, thanks to the skill of his doctors, but also because of his amazing attitude. Everything in life is a choice. You choose whether you're going to be positive about things or negative about things. And I think it's a great example. My daddy used to have an expression. I, I miss him so much because he had these expressions that helped me. He said, never borrow trouble. He'd, he'd say it, don't borrow trouble. Don't borrow trouble. He said, enough trouble is going to find you. You don't have to go looking for it. Don't borrow trouble. Jesus said it this way. He said, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. If Daddy and Jesus said it, it must be right. Each day has enough troubles of its own. Don't borrow trouble. There's, you don't have to worry about everything. It's okay. Let, let me give you a little insight. In order to relieve stress, you live in this day. Now, you can plan for tomorrow. It's smart to plan for tomorrow and all that. But you live in this day. Because Paul writes a letter to his friends in a church in Philippi while he's chained to a guard 24 hours a day. And ultimately, most scholars believe he was executed by Nero only months afterwards. He was sitting in a cell waiting to be executed, and he writes, don't worry about anything. If there was a guy who deserved, had the opportunity, and certainly had the privilege of worrying, it would be this guy. And yet, he, he's the one that says, don't worry. In fact, look at this. He says, now, time out, time, time out. Don't, don't look at that. Don't look. Look at the last verse, 13. This is the one that's on bumper stickers. I can do everything through him. It gives me strength. And we misappropriate this verse all over the place. So um, you'll see athletes with a little stuff on the bottom of their uh, eyes. What's that called? Eye black. Is that right? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Y'all don't even know. Uh, and it'll say Philippians 4.13. You'll look, you know, people go look it up. Oh, I can do, all, I can do everything. That means I'm, I can score a touchdown. It has nothing to do with a touchdown. It has nothing to do with a home run. It has nothing to do with making a basket. Because you have to know what was before it to get to verse 13. I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstance. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do this. I can do all things. I can learn to be content in any and every situation through Christ who gives me strength. It is a really cool verse if you understand the context. If you take it out of context, I'm not sure God promises that you can... Man, if I'm on the bench press, which is never going to happen, well, let's just work with me here. I'm laying on the bench press. Some of you all know what a bench press is. You're laying there. There's a bar above you. You put these heavy metal things on the sides. They're called weights. And the notion is you lift that up and you pump it out. It tells you you have to be, you know. If, if there are 400 pounds on there, I'm not going to be able to do that. I can quote this verse all day. I can, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. When they lay that on my chest, it's going to lay there. If it was 40 pounds, it would probably lay there. I mean, it's not going to happen for me. Okay, so just understand, that verse 
isn't about those kinds of things. All right, so number two, pray about everything. And everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So you don't worry about anything. You pray about everything. This is, don't panic. What, what God does, he always replaces a negative with a positive. This is what he does in this verse. Don't worry, negative. Replace it with prayer. And so, when you find this nervousness sort of rising up in your spirit, oh man, I, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do about that. That's when you, you shift worry to prayer. You, you replace a negative with a positive. I'm not going to worry about this. I'm going to pray. Now, some people think God's only worried about big stuff. But right here it says, in everything. In everything. God's not just worried about big stuff, and he's not just worried about um, uh, religious stuff. He's worried about, he's not worried about it, but he's interested in everything. And so in everything you can pray to God. It's not just the big stuff. And then it says, uh, by prayer and petition, be specific. Lord, here's, here's my worry. I'm a little concerned about this today. Right now, in my spirit, Lord, I, I'm kind of, I can feel my blood pressure rising because I'm thinking about this. And I need to replace this with prayer. And God, I, I'm going to pray specifically about this. I've got this test coming up. I've got this paper to write. I've got this to do at work. I've got this uh, fellow worker that drives me nuts. I've got this situation with my child. I've got this situation with my husband. I've got this situation in my family. I'm going to not worry about this, Lord. I'm going to pray to you about this specific thing. Um, there's a translation, the Phillips translation. It says, when you pray, tell God every detail of your needs. You pray about every detail of your needs. Because here's the truth. If it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. If, if it's going to cause you worry, then go ahead and pray about it. I, I like this one. This one I love, this verse. Give all your worries and cares to God. He cares about what happens to us. He cares about us. The God that makes every thumbprint different, every voice inflection different, the God who makes every snowflake that's ever fallen, doesn't mean anything to you all, but when you're in Michigan, you preach that, that it will preach. Because all we know are snowflakes. Nine months of the year. Um, there are two seasons in Michigan, winter and road construction. That's all we got in Michigan. And so we understand when, when you say, hey, every, God that makes every snowflake, there is an audible, I, I've said that in, in the audience at, in Michigan, and there is an audible, oh, ah, I can't believe he knows every snowflake, because they're everywhere. God knows every detail of everything. And so he, he cares about us. There's an interesting study, life insurance companies did a study on people who attend church, and what they found was that on average, people who are church attenders uh, live generally 5.7 years longer than those who don't. Again, it's a great opportunity to invite somebody to church. Uh, you're not looking too good. You ought to come to church. I mean, that's the kind of thing you say to them. Um, uh, you're, you're, you're on the, you don't look good. I mean, you know, church will help you 5.7 years. You can make a guarantee. What are they going to do if it doesn't work out? Uh, they're going to be dead. They won't even know it. They won't even know. So, you don't worry about anything you pray about everything thirdly you're thankful for all things this is tough 
we're going we're gonna to hover here just a second. In everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. One of the most difficult things to do, to, one, of the most, one of the most difficult places to get maturity-wise, spiritually maturity-wise, is to get to a place where even when stuff doesn't go your way or things seem bad to you, you're able to thank God for those bad things. Because God will teach us even in difficult moments. In fact, God teaches us a lot in difficult moments. And to get to a place where you can, in everything, be thankful it is it's tough. Now, now here's, let me give you an exercise to do. And, and I'm, sometimes I'll put this stuff up and I know people are going, I'm not going to do that. Here, here's what, I think we all ought to do this. I put, if you're depressed, I think we all should do this. I believe if we would do this between now and next Sunday, maybe even now and tonight before you go to bed, maybe you go to bed, you know, you go to, to your room a half hour early and you do this, I, I think this will change our attitudes. If we would make a list of 50 things that you're grateful for, don't start now because I've still got stuff to say, uh, but, but start, you can start at lunch, that's okay. But just to make a list, I, I don't think it was going to take long for you to find 50 things that you're really, really thankful for. I mean, good grief. You live in a community where there's a Chick-fil-A on every block. I mean, if no other reason, if there's nothing else. I lived in a place where the closest Chick-fil-A was two hours away. I, I mean, it, you know that's a mission field. Uh, there ain't no, no Chick-fil-A there. Um, be thankful. Have you had their nuggets? I believe God whispered in somebody's ear, this is the formula for perfect chicken nuggets. I mean, I really do. They're awesome, right? You should, you should be, there's so many things to be thankful for. We've got paved roads. I've been to Africa where they didn't have paved roads. This is really nice. It's a really wide road. That's awesome too. There's a lot of traffic, but it's kind of, you got a paved road, that's good. You got a car you can drive. You, you got, you're breathing. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. Uh, it's it's not quite 100% humidity. I mean, let's be thankful. It could be hotter. It could be wetter. Uh, so, uh, things to be thankful for here. Um, this is one of those verses, we come to this one a lot. Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. People ask me, hey, I don't know what God's will for my life is. God's will for your life <laughs> is to be joyful, to pray, and to give thanks, because when we develop this attitude of gratitude, when we get to a place where we're certain that we can see things and be thankful for them, even when they don't seem to want to go our way, there's this certain depth of spiritual maturity that's coming our direction. And we can be thankful for that. God, you're growing me. This is your will for my life. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have joy in my life. I'm going to find the things in life that bring joy. I'm going to find the, the, the bright side of every situation. There are people who can find the dark cloud in every silver lining. That They can find the, the problem in every solution. I mean, if you want to be negative, it doesn't take a whole lot of effort. Be negative all the time. To, to have a, a bright outlook to understand God's in control even when you're not in control. Uh, when we get there spiritually, 
it, it is quite an amazing thing. So his, his ambition for us is you don't worry about anything, you pray about everything, you give thanks um, in all things. And this last one, oh, by the way, there, there's always something to be grateful for. This last one, think about right things. Uh, when, when you have kids, if you have kids, this is a verse that you're going to want to use with them. You're going to want to repeat this verse some. Finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. This is sort of the verse that helps you um, stay focused. You have to have focus. Because if I'm watching television and something comes on, I mean, today it's even commercials. I hate that I can't watch a show with my, my daughter, who's 10, without something lewd coming on. The commercial, good grief. So I'm changing channels in the commercial because I don't want at least to see that. It's salacious or they use language that I don't want her to hear. I mean, we're watching, right now our thing is we're watching the Tour de France. Is anybody watching that? I've got two sophisticates and the rest of you. Okay, no worries, no worries, no worries. What is the Tour de France? We don't even know what that means. It's like, okay, it's a bike race. It's really cool. Um, I like it because I don't have to mute the commercials. I don't have to go someplace else on the commercials. On that particular network, they're not showing stuff that I don't care for my daughter to see. Here's the point. There's this little machine that's in my hand, and I control what I watch. And there's a little machine in my body called my brain, and I control what I watch, and I control what I read, and I control what I, what I listen to. I am in control. Just like we talked about with this fellow, Jerry Johnson, about he said, I, I get to choose today. Well, I get to choose what I look at. I get to choose what I listen to. I get to choose. I choose. I can choose all the time. I get to choose all the time what I listen to, what, what I read, what movies I hear, what, what songs I listen to. And guys, if you have songs uh, that you've downloaded that you listen to and it refers to women, well, it rhymes with stitches and bows. If you've got songs like that, you, you just you want to delete that. Because that's not good for anybody. And there's stuff you just need to turn off. I, I just need to turn it off. And we get to choose. And I love this verse. Because it's like he's giving us eight little filters here. Is it true? Is it noble? Is it right? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it admirable? Excellent? Is it praiseworthy? If it's not these things, change the channel. Flush it out of your mind. There's a computer expression if you work in IT, garbage in, garbage out. If you put garbage in, garbage comes out. And here's the truth. What you think about and what you dwell on affects how you feel. And how you feel affects how you act. And if I'm thinking and concentrating on the wrong things, if I think about um, 
and focus on the wrong things, then I end up doing the wrong things. In fact, um, Romans talks about it like this. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Then you'll be able to tell and test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. The, the pattern of this world is to cause worry or to cause discontentment. A, a commercial is mostly about, hey, you deserve more, you should have more, you need this or you need that. And so by saying I need this new thing, it's saying the thing I have isn't enough. I like watching these shows where these guys live out in the woods with their own hands. Um, when I was at home the other day, um, back in Kentucky, my mother, um, my dad used to have a BB gun. He'd shoot, I think they get possums on the roof sometimes, he'd shoot them with the BB gun. And, and, he, and Mama gave it to me. BB guns are the greatest thing ever. They're the great, it's the greatest thing. So in my backyard, you know, I, I, I go watch the outdoor show where they're killing things and eating it. And they, then you have to cut it open. Uh, so, I don't want to do that, but with a BB gun, I can shoot stuff. It's awesome. I'm shooting blackbirds today. Uh, where's Gary Wilson? Gary, get you a BB gun. Because I know those birds are messing with your stuff. Get you a BB gun. If nothing else, it's cathartic. Uh, you hit them, they fly away. I know they're going to come back, hit them again. I mean, it's a beautiful thing. I don't know, have any point about, where was I going with that? I'm sure God had a point of me talking to you about my BB gun. I don't remember what it was. Um, but it is God's pleasing and perfect will for me to shoot blackbirds. That's, maybe that's what I was thinking about. I don't know. Now look at the next verse. Oh, this is the same verse. Whatever's true, noble, right. These are these filters that we use. And it involves a deliberate, conscious choice. I choose. I choose if it's noble or right. I, I know these things. And whatever I think about is what I'm becoming. And so I'm going to make sure I put things in my mind that are true and right and noble and worthy. The reason I said if you have kids, you're going to want to look at that verse some is because our children are inundated, saturated with images and words and songs that we as parents need to help them filter. We, we've got to help them with this. Because sometimes they're not mature enough, they're going to do what their friends do. Sometimes they're not mature enough, and we have to help them. And I go back to that verse. Well, listen, listen, honey. It, it, is it true and noble and pure? Because if it's not, then let's just not do this. Why do you, let's just not do this. And then he kind of sums it up. Then you'll experience God's peace. Now, who, who doesn't want to experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand? His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And he uses a very specific word. And people are they're, they're looking for peace in so many ways. I watch, uh, I watch these designer uh, shows sometimes on like how, how, you do, um, how you decorate a house. 
and they talk about fin shui. By the way, if, if this room was fin shui, my, my thing, I should be pointing to this. Anyway, um, fin shui, it's, it's like you're supposed to hang a this here and a this there. And I'm like, oh my word. Do, do you believe that? We were at uh, a store the other day, and, and they were selling chunks of Himalayan salt. Y'all know about this? Yeah, it's supposed to, I said, what is this for? I'm like, do you season with it? I don't know what you do with it, because it's a big old chunk. The only time I've ever seen a big old chunk of salt like that was a cow lick. And, and you know, so I know it wasn't that, because ain't nobody in there got no cows. And so uh, there are all these hiker people, you know, kind of hipster folks, which I fit in. And uh, um, they had this chunk of Himalayan salt. And I said, what, is, what does that do? Um, something to, she said something to the effect of, some people believe that it changes um, the ions in your room. Really? I ain't even got no ions in my room. I don't even know what an ion is. But people are looking for anything for peace. It's a cool verse. Then you will experience God's peace. Now, who doesn't want to experience God's peace? Because it's a gift from God. And he uses this really cool word. His peace will guard. It's the word um, phoreo. It's a military term. These are, this is like a depiction of the Roman guards. All right, I, I've told you this. Paul writes this letter to Philippi, but you may, may not remember. Philippi was in Greece. It's a long way from Rome, but it was a Roman colony. So they had Roman rulers, and it had Roman governance, and it had Roman guards. And these guys were there to make sure that the peace was kept. If you got a little rowdy in Philippi, you know who'd show up? These boys. They were going to make sure there was peace. And what Paul was doing, he was using a word that everybody in his audience would understand. God will guard your hearts in peace. He's going to make sure things go the way they're supposed to. Keep putting into practice all you've learned and received, he says. Everything you've heard me saying and doing. And then the God of peace will be with you. Quick review, real fast. Don't worry about anything. You pray about everything. You thank God for all things, and you think about the right things. And I'm not sure all four aren't just vital to our lives. You you stop worrying, and you start praying. And, And... you start being thankful. You develop an attitude of gratitude. And then, and then you see, think about the right things because then if you're thinking about the right things, there is no way to have the wrong things in your heart. Pretty good formula, I think. Father, we thank you for your word and how practical it is. Good grief. This is amazingly practical. But thank you for how much you love us and you take care of us and Your promise to guard our hearts is amazing because you don't want us to be people of worry. It's not your ambition that we worry. That's really super cool, God, that you you don't want us to live that life. Lord, help us to be thankful and to think of the things for which we are thankful. And help us to use those filters to guard our hearts and our minds. Lord, thank you for being the God of peace who promises us that even in difficult times, your peace can well up in our hearts 
beyond even our own understanding. We can be calm in the midst of a storm. Lord, we love you and we pray blessings on your word as we apply it to our hearts. We love you, Lord. We thank you for for giving us the opportunity to live in peace. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.